Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. You are listening to Transform Your Life with Kelly and Lisa. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Kelly. <laughs> Thought I lost you there for a second. <laughs> we were talking before the show about, you know, you never know. These are live shows and anything can happen. You just you just never know. We kind of barely made it on the air this morning on time. <laughs> but, right. but yay, we did it. <laughs> I know yeah. I was out already running around taking care of stuff, and I was like, oh, gosh, I've got a show, and i got to get all this <laughs> stuff done, and ah! <laughs> yep, yep. Sometimes, you know, life happens when you're making other plans. That's that's a popular saying, but, you know, that's, that's true, um, which kind of ties into what we're talking about today, which is, you know, kind of rewriting your story, because everyone has one. And everyone has things that happen to them. Uh-huh. I I can't tell you how many posts I see on social media posted by life coaches telling their stories. Some of these people, I feel like I was there living it with them because I have heard their stories so often. You know, a lot of people have really, really, really horrible stories. They've gone through some really tragic events. They've had a lot of things happen to them or in their lives. Other people have had just, you know, what I would consider to be a charmed life because I kind of fit in that other category. But, you know, we all have stories. That's the whole thing is we we all have stories and we all keep telling our stories. And a really big piece of healing is telling your story and, and right. accepting your story. However, you know, there's always a however. Have you noticed that on this show? We always have a however. <laughs> <laughs> You can really sabotage your attempts to move forward when you keep telling your story so often that you can't move past it. So that's what we're talking about today. What do you think, Lisa? How, how do you, you know, how, how do we start? How, well, first off, how do we get to the point where we recognize when we've told our story so often we're continuing to live it over and over? You know, I think a lot of the life coaches that talk about their stories in their ads or whatnot, it's to connect with people, to say, hey, I've been there. You see me sitting here now living this charmed life that I've always wanted, but I've been where you've been. I've been in the trenches, and I, you know, I've been through this or that, and that's why you need me to work with you so that you can now have your best life possible. And I think mm-hmm. that for them, they recognize, and I'm not speaking for all coaches, so do not send me mail if your coach that you chose isn't in this place yet, but I think for the coaches, they are to the point where they either rewrote their story, and let me, right. let me I want to uh, explain that concept really quickly. It's not Please. that you changed, your, yeah, it's not that you've changed your story and, you know, Instead of growing up poor, now you grew up rich. It's rewriting the victimization factor of your story and no longer allowing what you went through to still hold on or, you know, to to still cling to who you are now. You're moving past that. And so I think with a lot of coaches that are out there, they tell the story the way that it was to connect with people who are going through things now or who through, who went through some things and are trying to move past it and have a better future. And 
they, uh, to me, a lot of them are just using that to connect with people, and it's not so much right, that they're right. stuck in their past. <clears throat> right, right. So, no, exactly. You know, the, the, they're using yeah. it as a sales thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, I'm real with people. When we do this show, when I do my own show, I am real with people. I will tell you exactly like it is, not to the point where I'm confrontational and whatnot, but this morning I was out running around trying to fix my the wobble in my car. I went to one place, and they couldn't get me in, so I went to another place, and then he said I needed four new tires, and so I went back to a different place. <laughs> you know, so it was just like this chaos, and, and I still hadn't eaten breakfast at this point. You know, it was, it was chaos, and that, that's life. That happens, and it's how you overcome right. that. And I share, I share my reality with people. And so I understand the sales connection there. Um, but, you know, when, when you, I guess, when you're trying to rewrite your story or even if you've never heard of it and this is the first time and you're like, ooh, this sounds really interesting, how do I do this? The first thing you need to do is just recognize that there's something that needs to be rewritten. Right. That, you know, and, you do not want to be the victim of it anymore. You're done. Right. You want to move on. Yeah, and I, I think that's really important. My concern with, and I heard this comment the other day, a, a, a new client that I just started working with the other day made this comment, and it really, that's the reason I brought up life coaches. Because I said to this, this new client, you need to learn to view your past in a different way find the good in it and, you know, rewrite your story. You stop feeling like you're the victim and, and stop reliving that story over and over and over again, because that's what this client is doing. And they say to me, well, every time I get on social media or go on YouTube, there is someone telling their story over and over and over again. So I think that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to keep telling my story. Isn't that how you move past it? And that really made me rethink my own advertising because if that's the impression that we're giving people that you're supposed to do this over and over, I I think that we've missed something somewhere. I think we also need to add in, this is where I came from, this is where I am. And a lot of really wonderful coaches do that. But some of them don't. They just keep telling their story. And I think that's, that's really an important distinction. You have to be able to know when someone is telling their story to relate to people, and then they've moved past it. And I think people don't really move past. They think that they're healing, and they think they've gotten over something because they've shared their story, and yet the way they live their life shows you they haven't moved past it. Unfortunately, right. there's a lot of coaches like that too. But I don't want to pick on coaches because I am one. I'm just, you know, using that as an example because of this client and their comments about, you know, some of the ads. But, um, yeah, you, you do have to learn how to view things differently. <clears throat> one thing that I just told this story on my earlier show, and it fits here as well, you have to learn sometimes the most ultimately positive things that happen to us in our lives, that we go through in our lives, 
seemed so incredibly horrible at the time. And the story that I told earlier was um, I was going to pick up a friend whose car had broken down years and years ago. And she was really upset because her car had broken down and she was on the side of a highway and nobody would stop and help and on and on and on. And when I was going to pick her up, a car ran a red light, T-boned my car, spun me around, and then I was hit again by another car. I went to the hospital. But at the time, oh, my God, how horrible was that? And, and she was still needing to be picked up. And I went, I'm in an ambulance, and I'm trying to get the ambulance people to understand that what I really need to do is go get this friend. And, you know, I was very injured, and it took them a while to convince me I really needed to go to the hospital. By the time my friend got picked up, it was hours and hours and hours later. And I thought, that's just like the worst day. That is absolutely horrible. Oh, my God. And then when I'm in the hospital, I hear nurses bustling around and it was just, you know, all kinds of codes coming on the the intercom. Right after my accident, when they were on the way to pick me up in the ambulance, a worse wreck happened about a mile and a half away. If I hadn't been in the accident I was in, I probably would have been that car that was in that accident with a dump truck. There were fatalities in that accident. That could have been me. And that really, really shook me when I heard about the other accident. Because seriously, if I hadn't been stopped in the accident I was in, I probably would have been that car in the other accident. Because I had seen that car. That car was behind me. That car went around my accident. Uh-huh. So you, you just never know when you're going through something horrible what, what it's really going, what it's really happening. We, we don't have the, the sight, for lack of a better term, to see what's really going on. But you never know. So when you're looking at things, or even when you're going through something, if you're going through something horrible right now, you have to believe there is a reason you're going through it and look for the good. Because when you're constantly looking for the positive outcome, you're going to find them. You're going to find what you're looking for. And in my mind, that's a huge piece of rewriting your story. You know, maybe something bad happened to you. Maybe you went through something horrible, but look at what, you became as a result of going through that. And I I think in my mind anyway, that helps me reframe some of the things I've gone through. And it's like, well, if I hadn't gone through that, you know, maybe something else would have happened that would have been worse. You know, that was a great analogy. Thank you. You know, I, while you were talking about that the whole time, I was like, I have to say something real quick. And then I totally forgot what I had to say. Um, (laughs) Okay, so, you know, I want to say, I mentioned the word victim a couple of times already. We are not saying, I am not saying, so please do not send the emails because I will not respond. I'm not saying that you were not the victim. I'm saying stop being the victim. Stop allowing that situation to control your life and make you miserable. That's what we're talking about with rewriting your story. Stop 
allowing yourself to be victimized because every time you allow you, you put yourself in the role of victim not just and it's not in telling your story you know it's when you live it that you right, give right. whoever did you wrong the power you they still right. have power and control over you even if they're no longer in the picture and that's just that's horrible take back your own power you know don't that, that's what we're talking about with rewriting your story is your ending you are saying, I am no longer going to allow myself to be the victim. I was the victim, right. and now I am this. That's what we're talking about. So please delete the emails because I promise you. We, <laughs> Before <laughs> you send it. No. Away, <laughs> we're not taking away from the fact that you were the victim. We know that. Right. And really, right. Well, we've and, all been a victim of something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And how many stories are there? where somebody is tremendously successful today and everyone thinks, oh, well, they've always been successful. And then you hear their story and you hear what they went through. And that's kind of what we're talking about is stop living your story is more appropriate than stop telling it. Because when you're telling your story, you can be helping other people who are going through that. It's when you keep living it over and over again. And unfortunately, the way our brains work is if we keep saying things over and over again, that's kind of what we're living. So they kind of go together. But um, the big thing is catching yourself when you start doing that. You know, there, there is someone that I'm helping with a book right now who made the point in their book that this is what I went through and this is what I was doing And I realized at some point that I was still being that victimized kid. And when I realized I was stopped being that victimized kid, I changed and I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to be that person anymore. And now this author is incredible and somebody completely different and very successful. But we all do go through things. And sometimes when we go to events, or at least when I've gone to events where there have been a variety of different speakers, it seems kind of like they're trying to one-up each other. It's like, oh, you were abused as a child. Well, I was sexually abused as a child. Well, I was sexually abused as a child, and my house burned down. You know, it was just ridiculously funny to me, and I started <laughs> laughing because they were trying to one-up each other with how horrible their lives had been. And that's sort of the wrong kind of competition that we want to have because truthfully everyone has gone through something and until you've gone through what they've gone through you don't know what they went through you don't know how it felt you don't know the impact that it had on them so rather than trying to belittle what someone else went through I think we would all as society as a whole would be a lot better if we just said, you know what, I'm really sorry you went through that. What are you doing now? You know, because everybody does stuff. So um, I, I kind of, I think that's a huge, that, and that's a bigger thing for me than people who um, want to tell their story over and over. It's, yeah, what are you doing now? You know, because everybody right. goes through stuff. So, so how do we move on? What do you think? You know, it's really, like I said before, it's not changing the actual history of your life. It's tweaking it to where you find the positive spins or the lessons learned. 
and you make it less traumatic and something that's easier to move past. Okay, there. I need how to do you, an example. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do we do that? You know, how do, how do how does someone listening do that? Yeah. So. I'll give you an example of, of my childhood. Um, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I, wrote, I rewrote an actual story I had submitted for a college paper writing class. I rewrote it, tweaked it a little bit so that I could include it in a book compilation on um, how social media helps people heal pretty much. And so mm-hmm. – I included this story in this book, and in doing so, it kind of opened up some other things that I didn't really realize were buried. The basis of the story was the first romantic relationship that I had, and when I say romantic, I'm not talking anything, but it was a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. It wasn't anything beyond that. It was just a romantic relationship, I guess, if you will. Um, And it was the first one that I ever had, and I really thought that that pattern of dating that boy was the basis of many, many failed relationships after that, toxic and otherwise. Um, And it wasn't until a few months after that story was published and I started talking about toxic relationships and how to heal from them that I realized that that actually wasn't the basis of why I had so many toxic relationships and why I continue to allow myself to have toxic relationships. It went further back than that. It went all the way back to when I was in elementary school and I was training people how to treat me. So when I really started to peel back all of these layers and I saw that it really happened in elementary school, it was, I was, one of the smartest kids in my class. I was constantly reading. I was not very athletic. Um, I had glasses. My mom handmade my clothes sometimes. And, you know, it was just like we were just plain, simple people. And, you know, I didn't wear the latest brands. I didn't wear the latest trends. Um, So I was very – I was a target. I was a very easy target because I allowed people to target me. So – Right. Here's the pathetic story. Was I was bullied. People would make fun of me. I would get picked on. And then when those same people would come to me and say, hey, can I copy your homework? I would be like, yeah, please copy my homework, thinking that this might be the in to have them be my friends right. and to just stop harassing me. And it went back to I was being harassed and I was being picked on. And there were people who actually had it worse than I did. So this is a cyclical pattern, and I just thought, like, I just want these people to like me. I want them to be my friends. I want them to stop picking on me. I want to stop being picked last or second to last for any of the games that we play on the playground. You know, I I want something different than what I have. And so I would continue to allow them to, to treat me that way. So that was what turned that around kind of for you? A, <clears throat> well, now I don't look at it that way anymore. Now I look at it as, you know, you always hear 
that be nice to the to the nerdy kids because they're going to be your boss one day. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so truer than you know. <laughs> it's truer than you know. It really, really is. It is hilariously true. And so for me now, it's, you know, when I started to realize, when I, and I didn't, like sit around all day and analyze this. It's not something that I did, but when I really started to, to, to investigate a little deeper and I noticed that I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, I allowed them to continue to do that. I, and, and, and I continued to give them help, help them study, copy my homework. Some of them tried to cheat off my tests. Will you write my book report for me? No, because the teacher will know it's my work and not yours, you know. Right, but I'll right. help you. You know, that kind of thing. When I realized what was really going on, instead of now saying, Oh my god, I was bullied and no you know, I was I'm still not athletic, so that's just not something I can get over. But <laughs> you know, when I look at that and I look at how I used to view my childhood, that actually the story I just told you is that is so far-fetched for me now. Like, I don't even, right. I can't even connect to that girl anymore because I started looking at it as, you know what? I didn't need them to be my friends. I had people who were my friends. We stuck together. We stuck by each other. No matter what, we were friends. And it wasn't right. that we were only friends to get something. We didn't use people. We weren't manipulative. Um, and one of the biggest things that I tell myself is instead of the way I used to look at the story as these people didn't value me as a person because of the way that they treated me. They would be mean to me, and then they would come to me when they needed something. That was how I used to view myself. Now I view myself as they realized my value as a human because they couldn't do something I could. They couldn't make the straight A's. They couldn't write the papers that, you know, book reports or whatever. They couldn't get up in front of the class and give a speech in the second grade on whatever. They couldn't win the spelling bee. They always picked me first or second whenever it came to any sort of academic challenges. So they saw my right. value. They absolutely saw my special gift. Now, am I knocking them because they weren't? on an academic level? No, because there were things that they could do that I couldn't do. I'm not athletic even to this day. I, I look ridiculous running down a basketball court. They're, they had their own gifts. But I tell myself they saw the value in my gifts. Didn't see it that way. For the longest time, I didn't see it that way. Well, I don't think you saw it, period. About, no, I didn't. And I've been telling this story about how I would be, how I was bullied and picked on. I remember telling this story for years, not just at the start, you know, not when this book was done. The book is what really made me kind of look back at the way that the whole process of all the toxic relationships, the abusive relationships and whatnot started way further back than that. So rewriting that story, I no longer allow myself to be treated the way that I don't want to be treated. And it's a completely different, I don't feel the burden anymore. Right. I, I think that's, that's key, recognizing that um, you didn't see the value in you, so they didn't see it either. Even though they did, they took advantage of it. You know, they abused right. that 
because um, you didn't see it. And that's one thing that's really difficult for a lot of people to realize is that people really do treat us the way we treat ourselves. You know, I, I see that all the time. And I went through, you know, something very similar when I was a kid. I didn't see where I had any value. So people bullied me. People put me down. I thought that that's what I deserved because that's the way people treated me. And it wasn't until I realized that was also how I was treating myself <laughs> that I was able to turn that around. So for people listening, if, if you keep finding yourself in that same kind of situation, whether it's in your family life or at work, where people just kind of keep kind of abusing you, you know, not respecting you, not treating you as the valuable person that you are, rather than continue to say they're doing something to me, take responsibility for how you're treating yourself and start treating yourself better and see if that doesn't turn things around for you. Because I know it turned things around for me and I know it turned things around for Lisa and I know it's turned things around for countless other people that I know. So if you're kind of recognizing yourself here, realize that it's all about how you treat you first because we tell other people how to treat us by the way we treat ourselves. They may not realize it consciously, but on a subconscious level, that's how that works. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Exactly. You know, and it, it is a process, and it doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but you just have to remember that when you look back, you tweak, you just tweak. You tweak the story. The right. story, it was the same exact. Yes, I was still bullied as a child. I was still picked on horribly. However, now I've harnessed my own, I've harnessed my power from that. I, because I choose to say, hey, these people saw value in me. And yes, I allowed them to treat me a certain way. Um, but they did see my value. So now, therefore, I can open up to my own value and what I was worth, what I am worth, what, what have you. It, it's kind of confusing to like sit here and like, you know, it's almost like we're going around in circles, <laughs> but you know, right. because the, the story that keeps me as a victim actually is the story. I was bullied horribly in elementary school. Um, there, you know, that was something, however, I choose to not focus on that. I choose to focus on other aspects of my childhood, and therefore I am taking myself out of the victim role. Did I endure horrible, toxic relationships? You bet you, yeah, I absolutely did. I can name four of them, four, and I'm not even 40 years old yet, horrible, (laughs) toxic relationships. That still happened to me. But I you know, it, not let that hold me back or hold me down. Right, right. And you learn to focus on other things. You know, I had a very similar um, experiences in, in grade school. And what I learned to do is rather than I was made fun of, I was the bookworm. I was the kid who was always uh, writing. Um, I could get out and play sports with the boys, and all of my closest friends were boys. I, I, was, I thought I was a boy until I was probably 12, seriously. I, I was doing all boy stuff. I never did girl things. I always did boy stuff. But um, 
what I learned to do is rather than saying I was made fun of for, for getting good grades and kids teased me because I was always the bookworm, I started reframing it. And it's like, you know what? When I was in grade school, I was really smart. Yeah. I won all kinds of honor roll awards. I got scholarships for colleges because I was really smart. And it's not that I'm saying that other stuff didn't happen. It's just I have changed my focus. And I think that's what oh, you're different. you're trying to say, too. It, it's really... Focus on what was good about that time rather than what was bad. We've got whistles, alarms, and bells going off. That's interesting. I am so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, but that's this really important point for people to take away from the show is we're not saying ignore completely and disavow any knowledge of those things that happened. They weren't pleasurable. We're just saying focus on something else. And when you're telling your story, you can say, yeah, I was really smart in school and I got teased for it, but I won all kind of awards. And, I, and right. you, you place less emphasis on those negative things. You're putting you know, a different spin on the story. Right. It's the same right. story. You're just making it more positive. You're putting a different spin. I was teased right. a lot exactly. how smart I was. Right. And, and that's, the case may be. you know. Yeah, you and you know, I, I know some... and you could say I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was I was I was assertive, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You could say I was the bully because, you know, I don't know, I've never been a bully, so I wouldn't even know what you could right. say was you know, I was a natural leader and I didn't know how to harness that, so I picked on everybody. Right. I mean right. you know, even if you were everybody can you could have been a bully because of how you one of your parents treated you. But there's a spin that right. you can put on it. You know, there really is. And we're not saying, oh, I have to say something really quickly before we get any any um, okay. emails. Because Kelly and I do not believe in general generalized gender roles. <laughs> right, we right. Coming up, <laughs> there were boy things and there were girl things. And there were girl, girl things, we right. We were trying right. to right. do, you know, to, to – grow them in this certain way so we expected them to play with dolls and stuff and boys we expected them to be you know the hard workers and laborers and whatnot so they went out and did the boy things you know right the whole and, hunter gatherer you know, aspect that's how we were right, raised right. however right that's not what well we, things have changed don't send the mail on yeah. that one either yeah exactly right exactly well so, you know and, and the thing too perspective of right right yeah the thing too when i was raised and I still think if you have a family that's close at all, you have kind of an extended family. If your parents were not only children, you have cousins. And in my case, right. my first very best friends were my cousins, and they were boys. So I naturally grew up thinking, playing with them. And what they did, I would do. And even though they were older, and especially because they were older, I wanted to do everything they did. It didn't matter to me that they were a different gender. I just, these, these guys were my friends and that's who I wanted to be like. So I think, and I've often said this in, in workshops, I think if my cousins closest in my age had been girls, I would have turned out to be a really different person. But because I grew up in that environment and we were in the country and we were country kids and we would go out and we would catch lizards and snakes and, you know, I've probably accidentally murdered countless grass snakes, probably hundreds of grass snakes, because I would catch them. And again, my closest friends were boys, and our family was not wealthy. 
I wore jeans at a time when little girls usually did not because I had my cousin's hand-me-downs. And we would, my mother figured, well, she's going to go off and play with the boys anyway. She may as well wear jeans. But she would wash my clothes and find dead grass snakes in her washing machine <laughs> because I had caught them and put them in my pocket. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. And, you know, I, I – hilarious. No, I would hold funerals for these grass snakes that I'd accidentally killed. I felt horrible, but yeah. You know, so that's where, that's how I grew seven. up. Which... Yeah, I was the same way. I was a, I did boy things. I went to that picture perfect, like white steeple, small church, you know, like one row, uh, like you know, not a whole lot of rooms off of it. it was like that picture perfect white country steeple church type of thing. And there weren't very many girls. And my neighbor in one of my houses, the, the only neighbor I had for miles was a boy my age, and he was my best friend. And so we were out there skipping rocks and catching snakes right. and running through the woods. I was doing boy things. When I moved to the elementary school year age, because I think I was in Pennsylvania until about, I went to kindergarten there. And then we moved to Delaware, and that's where I started first grade. And I was different. <laughs> So right, these were city right. kids, and I had no idea what the city was, you know. So here I am, you know, in this city now where there's no skipping rocks and running through the woods and, you know, all this other fun stuff. So it was, um, yeah, very interesting to say the least. So I totally understand, you know, where you're coming from. And then, of course, to try and fit in and make friends, you kind of have to right. morph to, you know, or you think you have to morph to what that situation is that you're in. And so... Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, don't and you know, on generalizations because we agree. We, you know, we are with you on that one. But we're going back right. to when when we were children. So. Right. And you know, it it didn't help that I was also, you know, pretty active outside, and I was kind of the the athlete in among the especially with when they would always divide us when I went to grade school they would always divide us up we had we would have a track and field day and it would always be the girls are over here doing their girl games and the boys are over here doing what they said were boy games and I excelled at things like baseball which were not typically thought of when I was a child as a girl activity <laughs> so I right. would be very you know kind of klutzy with doing things that uh, they wanted the girls to do. You know, they had hopscotch tournaments. Well, there's no hopscotch in baseball. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> the the gender roles at that time in grade school really, really did a number on my psyche because teachers would write in, in my report card, it's, she's not very coordinated. That was on my report card. Who puts that on a child's report card? But it was because I wasn't good at hopscotch. That's why. <laughs> and, and you know, my family just kind of laughed hysterically and like, yeah, go play baseball with her, you know. <laughs> go, go catch lizards. Tell me she's, when she's running through rocks catching lizards. I mean, come on. So there are roles that society puts on us, which is really right. the point that we're making here is um, there are rules that society imposes on us. And just because society says you should be a certain way, break that rule, throw that right out the window, 
because you don't have to be that person that society says, well, everybody in this age group should be doing this. Don't listen to that. You know, everyone of this gender should be doing this. Don't listen to those things because they will really do a number on you. It took me a very, very long time to get over some of those things that were drilled into my head when I was a small kid because at that time, uh, things were very, very different. And uh, the other day I, I actually went to a, I was in, at my vet. I rescue a lot of stuff. Anyway, um, I was at the vet with some rescues and this woman brought a dog in and a little boy was in tow and he had a doll and he was sitting, it was a stuffed doll and he was probably maybe three or four and it was a stuffed doll and he was sitting there combing this doll's hair and, um, you know, just having, he was being very good. He was, wasn't causing any ruckus, but there was an old cowboy guy also in the vet's waiting room. And he said, that a boy? And she said, she had the best response. Does it matter? And he didn't know what to say. I kind of got to talk to her a little bit when this, this guy left and she said, he's always loved dolls. I don't care. That's who my son is. If my son wants to grow up and one day tell me he wants to be a girl, I'm okay with that. But I'm letting my son be my son because when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to be who I was. And I wanted to start cheering for her at that moment in the vet. Yay! You know, but that's society now. It's much more acceptable to not be in that mold, to not fit in that mold. And I think we've come a long, long, long way in that respect. But at the same time, we still have a long way to go. I agree. So how do you start? (laughs) No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I was just going to say. Because I'm changing gears, so finish your thought. (laughs) Okay. The, The concept of trying to rewire some of the things that you were taught when you were younger, I'm still working through some of those processes too, you know, and and, um, trying to raise my children to not have some of the limits placed on them that I saw when I was coming up. Now, that doesn't mean that moral and social obligations don't matter. They do. You know, don't go out and kill people. It's just wrong no matter what. You can buck society without being an a-hole, you know, there, you know, and there are certain things that you do need to understand. If you're going to take a regular job, there are regular rules you need to follow or you will not have that job. You know, so there are certain aspects of that that I'm still incorporating in them, uh, you know, in raising them. But there are other things, you know, spread love, not hate concepts that I am instilling in my children. Right. And I I want to add something to that. Oh, absolutely. It was hugely different, uh, hugely different. But I want to add something to what you just said about a job, because many, many of my listeners know um, I'm married to what was a rock and roll heavy metal drummer. Well, when he went to get a job, he has long hair and tattoos and you know he's he looks like he's a heavy metal rock and roll drummer okay and he couldn't even get past the reception desk to schedule an interview 
And finally, he started wearing his hair in a ponytail, and he shaved, and he started wearing shirts that covered tattoos, and he got a really, really outstanding job. And when he went in his first day of orientation, and he had his hair tied back, and, you know, he met some really influential people, he kept getting promotions and promotions and promotions and promotions. And what has ultimately happened through the years is now that company that he works for, that he kind of had to go incognito <laughs> to get into, now he has convinced them that the way they were hiring and their hiring process was not attracting the most qualified candidates. Right. And now people, people laugh because of how many in the last, you know, four or five years, how, how different the new hires have looked from previous decades and yet how successful they are being in their new careers. So you really, I mean, the old, the old adage, you can't judge a book by its cover, is really, really true. And I do think a lot of companies are starting to see that. But right. again, if you know you're going to go and interview with a big corporate job and you've got long hair and tattoos, it might be a good idea to put on a long sleeve shirt and tie your hair back just, just out of respect for the position you're applying for. Right. And when I said wrong I, with a little bit of conformity. Right. Because there, if right. you want people to respect you, you need to respect people. It is a mutual exactly. exchange. You can't expect yes. to be yes. treated a certain way because you don't fall in line with the conformity. But when I said rules, I meant like if you don't show up for your job and you don't call right. and right. let them know you're sick, don't expect the job kind of thing. That's the kind of rules I, <laughs> I meant. Right, right, right. Every day and expect to still have your job, you right. know, that kind of thing. Exactly. I, I just, I really wanted to bring up the point with self-respect there is a balance there between respecting yourself and your identity and who you are and showing respect for the people around you exactly and i think that's a balancing act that can be taught and when people realize that oh it's a two-way street it's not all about me it's about me respecting me but respecting them too i think these sort of evolves exponentially really because that is a huge full having you know I, right. I talk to to kids and teenagers all the time about their futures and they say things like well I need a job that's not going to make me shave or I need a job that's not going to make me cut my hair or I need a job that's not going to care if I wear a nose ring well you have to know who you are enough to know uh -huh. your strengths and then focus on those strengths when you're moving forward in your life. This is what I can contribute. And, you know, if you know this kid with a nose ring wants to work in a nursing home, he loves old people. And I'm like, okay, you know, you're going to probably scare some of them <laughs> walking in. Right. And you, you, you know, you have to realize who your audience is too. And with this kid, it, he's he's having a, a conflict there between doing what he really wants to do and realizing that how he appears, unfortunately, and it is wrong. I agree completely with him. It is wrong that we're judged on appearances. 
However, in certain circumstances, you have to take that into consideration. And last time I spoke with him, what he has decided after speaking with the director of the nursing home that he wants to work in is that maybe at least for the first week, he takes his nose ring out while people get to know him as a person. Then maybe he can put it in and tell them, you know, this is just something that I like. And if they've already gotten to know him, they will be accepting. And I think that's a good compromise. And no matter how much I think nobody should ever be judged based on their appearance, it's still human nature in this society to do so. Maybe someday it will changes. But in the meantime, we need to work with what we've got. And if you can make a compromise, make that compromise. So we kind of got off track. Derailing. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of got off track there with rewriting your story, and yet I, (laughs) and yet I think that it all fits because when you're trying to find yourself, especially young people or or an adult that has gone through something traumatic. You know, I I have another client who was married for 35 years and recently lost her husband. She has no idea who she is. They married when she was 16. Yeah, it happened right. here. Uh, you know, but um, she doesn't know who she is. So here is this woman, this middle-aged woman now, who is trying to find her identity. And part of what she's been going through is kind of extremes. You know, she's trying to find out who she is. She, didn't, she wasn't able to be that young kid. When I was 20, I had blue, pink, and purple stripes in my hair. That was part of my process of finding out who I was. I go back and look at pictures now and go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I mentioned that to her, one of our first conversations. And the next time I saw her, she had pink hair. I'm like, okie dokie, kind of looks better on a 20-year-old. But, hey, that's you. Great. Go for it. Yay. We all have a process. And part of the process she's going through in trying to find herself is really looking at her story from a different perspective. Yeah, she spent her entire young life married, which is not something most of us do, although I kind of did something similar, not for that long. But anyway, she's rewriting her story. She's going back to who she could have been And she's trying it on to see what fits. Ultimately, only you can make the decision on what fits for you in your life. But if you've gone through something traumatic and you've been shaken to your core and you're really struggling to find yourself, start with what you went through in your childhood and reframe it from that point. You know, if you were the geeky kid that was bullied like we were, go back to that. What did you like to do? Did you excel at math? Maybe, you know, take a math class, you know. Read some books by famous mathematicians. Reconnect with those wonderful, wonderful parts of you from your childhood. Mentally start over. You know, mentally go back to what really mattered to you. And look at your childhood in a different way, because I don't know anyone that tells me they had a delightfully perfect childhood. I've never met that person. If you're that person, please contact me so I can say I've met somebody who had a perfect childhood. Because everybody went through something. 
So rather than continuing to go through it in, inside yourself, reframe it. You know, hey, I was that smart kid that, that liked to read a lot when I was a kid. Okay, um, not a kid anymore, but maybe, maybe I can start reading. Maybe I can find a favorite author. Maybe I can start writing. That's where it starts. It starts in reframing and rewriting your life, rewriting your story. Because when you start from there, you're going to find that truest sense of who you are, and that's what you expand on. Yes. And that's how I tied it all together. You like how I did that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But it, it is, you know, it, it all fits together. And I know sometimes we go off on tangents on this show, but really they do all fit together. And if you follow the map, if you follow the story, you find, you know, how it all fits together. And I think that's probably our show today. Do you have anything to add? If you have any questions, you can contact us. I know Kelly does coaching, so you can always hire her. <laughs> Remember, your story is your story. We're not telling you to completely make up a new story. We're just telling you to find the positives from your story and you know focus on those, not so much the, the victim role of it. And that's all I have to say. Okay. Great. Yeah, and I want to do a, a um, shameless self-promotional plug here. If you're writing your story and you think you've got a book there, let me know because Ibby Lane Press is happy to work with indie authors, new authors, people who have never written before. Um, so, yeah, contact me about that. We are also working on a compilation book about domestic violence. So if part of your story has a domestic violence component in it, contact us about being a part of this life-changing compilation book that is due out this fall. We do still have some room for co-authors. Those are my shameless plugs. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye. Bye, everyone.